You're listening to The Gold Saucer from Final Fantasy VII, released September 7th, 1997, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he's back. Host of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast every month with Shoot Kapow. It is Bedroth, with an eye, of course. Welcome back, sir. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's good to be back. A little bit, a little bit later than I originally planned, but uh, such is life, and it's good to be here, man. And to talk about a fun, a fun topic, too. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I get it, because I'm not the most consistent person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, As I'm in can good be company, seen then. from my upload schedule, <laughs> I, uh, by the time this episode releases, hopefully that Elden Ring episode is out. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, <laughs> if you'd be so kind, though, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app that you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that our show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. You can head on over there, check out our tiers, see what we're doing. If you feel inclined, you can toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen each week does wonders as well. Special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. You guys rock. But yeah, you've been gone for a few weeks. I did release that episode on Horizon Forbidden West. I had planned to release the episode of Elden Ring a bit earlier. Like I said, hopefully by the time this episode posts, if it posts on Wednesday like it should, Elden Ring hopefully is going to go up tomorrow. Um, but you've been gone for a bit. And why is that? Why were you? <laughs> well, for the uh, the first part of that, the fun part, um, I was actually with my family in Orlando, Florida, and we took a week to uh, over spring break to go to Disney World. 
for the first time for my wife and kids, uh, third time for me, but it's been almost 20 years, so it was basically new to me as well. It's drastically different at this point. <laughs> yep, yep. Cinderella's Castle is a whole new color for the 50th anniversary. Uh, they've added a bunch of new stuff, um, taken some stuff away, of course. They just got outdated, and it was it was a lot of fun. I'll uh, kind of sprinkle stories, I guess, through the uh, through the episode, but I hope so. I'm yeah, excited was, to hear uh, them. I've seen all the pictures. Yep, yep. Those of you who uh, know my <laughs> secret identity and um, uh, are friends with me on Facebook, you can see pictures there. And uh, I might uh, throw a few up in the um, BG Media Discord when this when this posts as well, just to you know sort of go along with the episode topic because you uh, you thoughtfully moved some things around and um, themed this week's episode around my uh, recent excursions, which is an excellent idea for a topic like it's something that I've wanted to explore because this exists in a lot of video games and there's a lot of cool music surrounding it and it just lined up perfectly that we could do it we were going to do it the week after you got back but we we kicked it a week um but it just lined up perfectly that we had to do it and it, it just I'm so excited to do it. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. This was uh, this was a really fun playlist to put together. I uh, for maybe the first time was really stymied by your um, considerable backlog. Uh, a few honorable mentions. <laughs> I'll go ahead and um, put here up front are, first of all, Carnival Night Zone from Sonic oh, yeah. 3. Of course, uh, a Stone Cold classic. And you guys have played part two or uh, stage two. I, I don't think you've actually played stage one, and so I was thinking of cheating and picking that, but well, I didn't. I cheat all the time. <laughs> I, I did for this episode. Another one was Penna Park from Super Mario Sunshine, which Shukapau said you should play that one, and it was on my list, and then I saw, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I, gosh, what was the other one? Um, hmm. It's Penna Park. Carnival Night. I don't remember. Maybe it'll come to me at some point, but there was another amusement park level that I wanted to pick from, and you would pick from that one too, and I think I was a little surprised by that one, but you hadn't picked our opening track yet. You'd picked a lot of other tracks from this, Which from this uh, score. Which shocking. But you hadn't played this one, and I was excited. That is shocking, too, that we have not played that. That is actually quite shocking. And what's funny is I have barely played Final Fantasy VII. I never owned a PlayStation and so I do actually have it downloaded on the Switch. I just haven't started it yet. Shukapau has. <laughs> but And I have the remake downloaded on my PS4. So I don't know okay. why I haven't gotten into it. But I yeah. uh, just haven't found the time yet. But the Gold Saucer, man, classic, classic song. I figured a lot of our listeners would, would recognize this. Absolutely. So that was your uh, your pick for the opening there. And really, man, you should jump into either of the versions. Like... Obviously, the original is a complete experience and a better experience right now because it's a complete mm -hmm. game. Right. But the remake is so freaking good, too. And some of the changes they made, some of the additions they made specifically surrounding Jesse, it, it was it was really well done. It really was. Very cool. So what what's your uh, I'm sure you've talked about it on the podcast before, but what's your experience with this game? So I have obviously played a lot of Final Fantasy seven. I am a massive JRPG fan. Um, my favorite Final Fantasy is still 8. I know that's generally not the most common answer, but Final Fantasy 8 is my favorite. Um, but I absolutely love 7, and it was the one that really <laughs> got me hooked outside of 
6, because I had played 6 before 7, but 7 is what really opened me up to what JRPGs would become in mm-hmm. the golden age of them, and, and what I really fell in love with. Um, I only played through the initial release once, and that tends to be something I generally just do anyway. I mean, I know I've said that before. I don't play through games multiple times that often. Um, but I'll play remakes and remasters and stuff like that when they come out, just not the same game twice. And I don't know why that is. I really don't. It's a sa- it's one of those weird things of like why I don't go back and play older games if I've not played them. I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. It's kind of how I am to not necessarily not going back and playing older games. I will do that. But if I have played a game, especially a game like this, that's really long and really story based, I typically will not go back to it. If it's a an exploration type game or a shorter game like a platformer, or of course, a puzzle game, those are different. But I don't usually go back and reread books. I don't I, I don't often either. don't even go I back and rewatch movies. In general. <laughs> um, if I have already taken something in, I will usually pick a new experience rather than going back to an old one. I am the exact same way. I yeah. generally don't rewatch movies twice. I only watch movies once, and then I don't watch them again. Now, the exception to that for me is TV shows. Ah, okay. So, which is kind of weird because that's more of an investment. (laughs) Yeah, and I tend to only watch the same shows on a cycle. That's interesting. TV shows. That's a that's a fun topic for another time as well. I wonder if we could somehow could we find enough of like fake TV shows within games to put an episode together. I bet we could. I bet we could. I'm already thinking of a couple right now. (laughs) I'm going to put it on the list because I know that's not on there. (laughs) And so the gold saucer, from what I remember, is not maybe not necessarily what a lot of people would think of as an amusement park. I feel like it's got more of a carnival feel to it. Um, And almost kind of in, in elements of casino as well. To an yeah, extent. yeah, for sure. But you did play a little bit fast and loose with this, uh, with oh, this topic, I which, did. which yeah. helped out a little bit. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this, this just, as long as it sounds like it fits in an amusement park. That I'm was okay actually, that I'm was okay the other one. It. That was the other one I thought of that you've already played, uh, the Guardia Millennial Fair theme from Chrono Trigger. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Would also have made a good opener. It would have. It would have. And did you listen to that trailer? I know, I think you did. They released the music trailer for the upcoming Chrono Cross Radical Streamers edition with some yes. of the redone music. It sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, you posted that for uh, for me and Chauncey oh, specifically. It sounds so good. And, um, man, yeah, it. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Obviously, I've... Yasunori Mitsuda overseeing like the rearrangements and stuff, but some mm-hmm. of the stuff just sounds so cool. And I think that's really cool that Mitsuda it has been brought back in to oversee these yeah, arrangements. And absolutely. just like in uh, the remake of Live Alive that Shimamura has been brought in and has actually also, I think, posted on Twitter and said they're making a couple of new things for it, too. So I hope they do a trailer for that one as well before the game comes out. <laughs> I really hope so. That, I love that music, music is trailers. so great. Square's yeah. been doing that. They put all their crap up on YouTube. Like, they uploaded their entire library. I am glad that one of these AAA companies finally seemed like they're recognizing, oh, people want to listen to this stuff. And, I mean, Square's been doing concerts forever, so you'd think it would have come a little sooner than this, but yeah. still, very But it's excited. not surprising they're on the forefront of maybe being the first of hopefully more to follow that will do the same thing. Obviously, it's been pretty popular, you know, game music on Spotify over the last few years, but mm-hmm. YouTube has still been getting hit with copyright strikes left and right over it, so... It's nice to have it on there officially. It really is. Um, okay, well, let's jump to our first block of three tracks here. I'm going to take the first block, and I have, I think, 
three interesting tracks here. I'm excited for you to uh, to hear the second one. I want you to talk about the second one. <laughs> I'm excited for all the music because we were going to record last week and I had my stuff picked even before that. I was picking some things while I was at Disney <laughs> and I've now forgotten a lot of what I know I picked, you were saying, man, so... this is going to be like a new experience for me. I totally <laughs> forgot everything I picked. <laughs> But I'm excited whenever whenever you pick a track and you specifically are interested to hear what I have to say. That makes me excited to listen to it. So, yeah, yeah let's get into so it, man. Let's kick this off. And uh, we're going to start off with the main theme from Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. This released October 15th, 2002, and it was composed by Alistair Brimble. Check it out. Next is main menu number one from Shamu's Deep Sea Adventures, released November 1st, 2005, composed by Ionat Deliu and Mihai Dumbravanu.
Last up in this block, you'll be taking a listen to Festival from Rune Factory 4, released October 1st, 2013, composed by Tomoko Morita. Coming back in, we are talking about the main theme from Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Again, that was done by Alistair Brimble, and I'm glad we got him on this episode. I After am we too, just man. talked about him so much recently <laughs> on the uh, on the Spectrum episode, I'm glad we got him on this episode. I forgot he did the music for Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, I I don't think I even noticed that when I was going through. I was just, I just pulled the soundtracks up on YouTube to games that I thought would would fit for this, and kind of let them roll while I was uh, walking around or working on something else. And um, not much on the Roller Coaster Tycoon soundtracks grabbed me, with one one exception we'll talk about later. Um, but I I don't I might if I had known that this was Alistair Brimble I might have given it a little bit closer listen. You know how it works, <laughs> right? But, absolutely. Absolutely. And this to me, it, it's such a classic sounding like theme park track and one of the definitive theme park games, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah, we couldn't have done this episode without something from Roller Coaster Tycoon. It's it's just we have a pick later yeah. from its, you know, sequel spiritual IP. successor. Yeah, yeah spiritual yeah. successor from same teams or more or less. But um, possibly a sequel direct. I'm not I'm not sure how all that works because I'm not super into these games. I actually... I used to be, but not so much anymore. When Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 was up for free on Epic recently, I did download it, and I installed it a little while back, and I um, picked it up and tried to get into it and move around, and I just... I don't know. Maybe my life is just so crazy right now. I don't have time for a sim game at the moment, but <laughs> it just didn't grab me. But this uh, but yeah, so I don't have much to say about it. You said you did used to be into this series. Oh, yeah. I used to like back in the day, like when I was in high school. So even middle school to an extent. So late 90s and then early 2000s, I was big into The Sims. And I was big into Roller Coaster Tycoon 1, and then once 2 came out, my life changed. Because 2 <laughs> was way better than the first. And I still prefer 2 over any of the other Roller Coaster Tycoons um, that have came out since. Planet Coaster uh, is probably a better game, though. I will say that. But I sunk so many hours into Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, I wish there was a way to go back and tell. 
because it's all I used to play from when I got home from school until when I went to sleep. So I had so many theme parks going. You know, I used to try to make my own scenarios because the scenarios in the game, you know, they get boring after a while. They do have some fun ones, but you would come up with your own and you used to be able to download parks and download creations and download real world parks that people had created. It was a game that didn't allow you to like really fully explore in first person mode. There were some aspects of that. Um, which which I think Planet Coaster does really well. But I love these games. And I love these style of games. Like, even going to something like Jurassic World Evolution, which is the same team as well, I just enjoy games that allow you to create a park, like a theme park. Yeah. Um, it is a really cool idea. Yeah, not so much the ones that, like... Like, I'm, I'm not big into The Sims anymore. Um, so I'm not into, like, every simulation or whatever you would, you know, building type, type game, whatever these are. But something about the theme park ones I always gravitate toward. And I do like other types of Sims, I've noticed. Uh, especially, like, I like farm Sims. Uh, I've, I've really gotten into Harvest Moon. And I spent a lot of time in Stardew Valley when that came out. Of course, that, See, that's the more only, than the just only a farm Sim. The farm but... Sim I'm really into is Harvest Moon. Um which became Story of Seasons, so I should right. say Story of Seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I'm behind the times on that one, too. But as far as the track on this one goes, really, really classic carnival theme park railroad style music. Or roller coaster track? I almost said railroad track. Yeah, the roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> roller coaster track. <laughs> now, Ugh. what is your favorite roller coaster that you've ever ridden? Um, probably. Hmm, that's tough. Honestly, yeah, there's some really good ones. Uh, some of the most memorable ones for me, there's one at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. I went there when I was uh, right before my freshman year of high school. Um, I have cousins who lived up there at the time, and I went there, and it was the first one we rode on. don't remember what it was called, but I had always been afraid of roller coasters. And my cousin invited me to go, and without me knowing, he also invited a couple of girls along with us. And so there was no way I was going to chicken out. <laughs> and so the first one we jump onto, I had told my cousin, okay, but just let's start with something, some kind of simple, uh, no like huge, huge drops. One of those that doesn't like shoot you off like a bullet right at the beginning. And I'd really prefer if it's like an outdoor coaster or not something in the dark. And the first one he took me to has all three of those. <laughs> we sat down and we just took off, but I was hooked after that. It was amazing. Um, there's one here in Texas uh, at Six Flags uh, in Dallas that's called the Titan that has, I think, the longest drop of any coaster in the States. It's like a 90-something like a foot drop. Um, okay. It's amazing. It's really, really cool. Uh, you can see it sticking away above almost everything else at the park. And then there's one at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, down in San Antonio called the Poltergeist, which looks like a giant came along and grabbed a straight track of, of roller coaster and tied it up in a huge knot and then put it down on the ground. It's it's so cool. Really tight turns, really just like hairpin stuff. You don't want to raise up your hands because you feel like you're going to bang them on everything. But I love roller coasters. And uh, when we went to Disney, I was a little concerned that only my oldest would really ride any of the roller coasters with me. My twins are seven. Um, my middle kid is no notoriously afraid of almost everything. Poor guy. And um, my second one is kind of picky about what she writes. But when it came to the roller coasters, first of all, there are some family friendly ones at Disney that, that we liked a lot. 
the uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train at the Magic Kingdom, the um, Slinky Dog Ride at Toy Story Land in Hollywood Studios. <laughs> I love the names of those rides. Yeah, it's uh, the, those. Those are they were a lot of fun, <laughs> yeah. and um, they're kind of between the baby coasters you have at Carnival's and a real size roller coaster, the like junior coasters. But then we also, of course, we rode Space Mountain. You can't go to Disney World and not ride Space Mountain. It's classic. And one of the twins was like, "Okay, it was all right, but once is enough." The other one was like, no, let's go ride that again. <laughs> and so my two teenagers and my one seven-year-old daughter uh, came in with me and we rode Space Mountain again. And that's that's one of my favorite memories from Disney. Nice. I haven't been to a ton of different theme parks. So when it comes to like my favorite roller coasters, they tend to be either at Cedar Point, which is up here in Sandusky, Ohio, or over in California. So the two that stick out to me most are both at cedar point i don't you've never probably been there but um nope, not yet it is one of the you know people tend to go there because of the roller coasters like they have a lot of yeah i have heard of it really really extreme roller coasters um but my two favorites there are millennium force which is it was the first to exceed 300 feet in the world um, cool, and it has like a, a massive drop, and it's still one of the most popular roller coasters there. But that one is awesome. And then I still really enjoy one that was built back in the '80s called Magnum XL 200, because this roller coaster goes through a tube halfway Ooh. through, and it like because of how fast you're going, and it's right after a drop. Like when you go through this tube, you get this weird feeling and it's, I don't know, man, it's really freaking cool. <laughs> that sounds really cool. <laughs> um, I, I do really enjoy wooden roller coasters as well. So there is a coaster over in um, Knott's Berry Farm in California called Ghost Rider, okay. which I also really, really enjoy. I am a big fan of wooden roller coasters. There's a couple good wooden ones at uh, Cedar Point as well. They have a new one called Steel Vengeance, which just opened in um, 2018. I haven't been there since it's been opened, but it is kind of like a hybrid. It is a steel coaster that utilizes a wooden structure, and it's the first one that exceeds 200 feet to do so. And the That's first cool. hybrid hyper coaster, apparently, according to their website. In the yeah, world. I really like stats on roller coasters like that. <laughs> yeah, there's some good stuff. I actually uh, I get lost sometimes watching like YouTube videos on roller coasters. Yep, like just ones that people put together of like extreme coasters or their favorites, just because you discover some cool stuff that way. But that was a lot of information for that track. Let's move on <laughs> and discuss the main menu number one from Shamu's Deep Sea Adventures. Again, this was composed by Inu Ionit Deviu in Mihai Dumbravenu. Um, the yeah. reason I wanted you to listen to this track <laughs> is I fell in love with the drums in the background for this one. And it was impressive to me because the game, I knew this existed, but I know it's not a good game. And this doesn't really sound like SeaWorld music to me, 
but outside of the drums, I was really impressed with just how much was going on and how many instruments were being utilized for this track. Yeah, it, it definitely did use um, it used several different wind style instruments, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of melody for it to work with. So it's interesting that it did jump around so much. Uh, it was effective. It was really simple. I don't think it was a bad track at all, um, but it uh, it just didn't go a whole lot of places. Except as you mentioned to me while we were listening, in the percussion. There was quite a bit of really fun percussion, uh, steel drums, um, like a, a timbali type sound, uh, a couple of different skin drums, and they just kind of jumped around a little bit. And it, it wasn't ever too much. It didn't um, wasn't overbearing on the rest of the track. It was just a really nicely put together. I would like to hear just the drum track for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be really something. I wish that was I wish that was possible. I know it probably is but I don't have the software to do so. Well, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit of um, fun trivia. We might be able to hunt that down because uh, this was one of the first uh, crossover games with the Mario system, and those drums actually only kick in when Shamu is riding Yoshi. I totally made that up. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, wait a second. Shamu riding Yoshi. (laughs) Yep. What's your experience with SeaWorld? I've been to the one in San Diego. Okay. And I have been to the one that was in uh, Aurora, Ohio, right across the lake from Geauga Lake when that existed. Um, Ohio used to be a pretty big theme park-like area, but mm-hmm. not so much anymore. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one I have the most experience at, that SeaWorld. Unfortunately, it's not there anymore. I have been to the one in San Diego uh Twice, I actually went there for my my honeymoon for my for my marriage when that was a thing a long time ago. Hmm. I have only been to the one in San Antonio, and I've been three times. I want to say I went once with my parents and a friend when I was really young, uh, like ten or twelve, and don't remember very much about it at all except that when we watched the beluga whale show. I got to sit in the splash zone and the whale came up to the edge of the pool and uh, did its little thing and like sprayed water all over everybody in the front. And so my dad always liked to tell the story about how I got spat upon by a beluga whale. (laughs) And uh, I actually also went, I went to San Antonio for my honeymoon um, almost 19 years ago now. (laughs) And we, uh, we went to SeaWorld, Fiesta, Texas, a couple other things. I don't actually remember much about SeaWorld from that trip. Wait, you also went to SeaWorld as part of your honeymoon? Yep, small world, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, granted, we we did did. a lot of other stuff in and around California for our honeymoon. We just Mm -hmm. happened to make a stop at SeaWorld. That's hilarious. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And San Antonio, probably pound for pound, has the most, like, what white people consider a culture in Texas. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, And we did a lot of other stuff in San Antonio as well. But uh, yeah, I don't remember much about SeaWorld specifically from that trip, but we went back a few years later with my two youngest when they were pretty young. I want to say like five and seven or four and six, something like that. And we, we rode a few things and saw a few shows. That was a lot of fun. We, you know, looked at the, they got to feed the sea lions and watch a few things and ride some stuff. And it was it was really cool. Um, I have mixed feelings about SeaWorld as a venture these days. Me too. Uh, yeah. I was hoping you were going to say something because if not, I was. <laughs> 
and I feel like they have tried to take steps to fix some things, but I almost kind of feel like the whole the whole idea is kind of irredeemable if you really want to be responsible. Yes. Uh, anybody who I has agree. seen the documentary Blackfish knows what I'm talking about. And yeah, it's um, this is a really fun track, not necessarily for for a very fun uh, experience for any anything that's not human in those parts. Sure. And that's what I was going to say, like as humans, it's fun to get to go see things like this that we don't normally get to interact with or see regularly on a daily basis. But for the animals themselves, this is awful. Like... And, and there are aspects that I don't even like about zoos, but zoos, zoos at least I zoos think... have to exist to preserve the animals because humans suck and we are making everything go extinct. There is a lot of preservation at zoos. There are a lot of them are also sanctuaries and rescues sure. from like you yes. know animals that were bred for you know humans to buy and trade, and then they get them and find out oh this is a wild animal in my house, and so they don't want it anymore, and so it, it can't go back to the wild at that point. So there has to be a middle ground for that, but. There's not really an excuse like that for places like SeaWorld. It's, no, um, no, it's not. It's not really a sanctuary. No, I know they have rescued some things, right? But it's not really a sanctuary. And as as SeaWorld continues to decline, like I sort of hope it just does go away. I really do. And I feel I like for the most part, because the parks are fun. Mm-hmm, yeah, but they could keep the park. You can keep the park keep elements and, of it and you can replace so much now of what we experience with the animals with things like VR and simulators. I was going to say, just turn it into that. Because exactly. People would yeah. still go. It may not be as popular, but people would still go. It would be like going to an aquarium. People still go. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But SeaWorld is definitely declining and it's on its way out. Our last track in that block was the festival theme from Rune Factory 4, composed by Tomoko Morita, the name uh, Frank always likes to uh, tie into Mr. Morita from Karate Kid. Since he's not here, I'll do that for him. Yep. But <laughs> and this series, is, uh, this series is definitely not on its way out. No, because Rune Factory 5 did just come out here in the States. Now, obviously, it had released like last year in Japan, but this past Friday on the 25th, it is out. I do not have any experience personally playing Rune Factory, but Jessica, when we were together, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is one of her favorite game IPs and has played so much of the Rune Factory series. And I made a promise to her that I would play Rune Factory 5 when it came out. And I do plan to stick to that. So I will play Rune Factory 5 uh, at some point. Obviously, I'm I'm still above my head in games right now to catch up on. I haven't even finished Elden Ring yet. I'm 115 hours into it, and I'm still having a blast. But um, I will play Rune Factory 5. And when you and I were listening and, and talking about this track off air... It is such a classic waltz. I knew you would love that about this. Oh, yeah. But you also picked up on how this just sounds like such classic Midway music. And I love this. I love everything about this. It really does. One of my favorite traditions that we have for my wife and kids is that every October, um, one day, we will go to the State Fair of Texas 
and there's always lots of fun stuff, lots of cool, weird fried food and mishmashes of stuff. Some cool shows. Uh, there's a petting zoo there that the kids really like from like local farms and stuff like that. They bring their animals for the kids to meet. And yeah. Lots of fun stuff. But lately, the kids have also really loved the Midway and just walking around with all the, the carnival barkers and uh, the fun little rides and everything that are way overpriced. But still, you know, it's a one time a year thing. And the Texas Star, which is huge roller coaster that uh, you can see from pretty much um, all over Dallas on the highways. If you look toward Fair Park, you can see it. It's uh, it's really big. Um, it just this reminds me. This track reminds me of walking through the Midway this past October with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> it even it even kind of sounds like the Midway music to me in the California Adventure side of of um, California Disneyland. Like the midway that they have there, it even it even sounds similar to that. Now, granted, I haven't been there since 2010, 2011, so the music is by far changed, I'm sure by now. But last time I was there, it sounded similar to this. And of course, the central instrument in anything that really sounds like midway music is going to be that that organ. It's like a pneumatic. Um, like air-based organ. I mean, all or organs. All organs are based on airflow, but um, th this, you know what I mean. That classic carnival organ yeah. sound. That's uh, absolutely. That are actually super, super loud. If you ever hear one all by itself, it's crazy loud because it has to be to be you know heard over all the noise of the, the rides right. and, and the the people right. and everything. But they are really, loud. really fun they are sound. Very loud. Very unique <laughs> sound. <sighs> All right, man. Well, let's jump to one of your blocks because we talked a lot during that block. <laughs> there was a lot to say, and um, might talk a little more in this in this upcoming block as well because I do have a I couple of uh, <laughs> Disney-centric tracks. But before we get to those, we're going to listen to probably the most obscure thing that I found in my adventures here, and I have a little bit to say about just what I looked up about this game because it sounds buck wild this is from doki doki yuenchi crazy land daisakusen uh, also i think just known as doki doki amusement park and we are going to listen to music five which if i'm not mistaken is the final boss music from this game this was released august 9th 1991 and was composed by nobuyuki shioda
Next up, we have Critter Country or Splash Mountain from Mickey no Tokyo Disneyland Daiboken, released December 16th, 1994, composed by Shigenori Masuko, Yoko Suzuki, and Maki Kirioka. Next, we're listening to Rockin' Roller Coaster, the UK version, from Walt Disney World Quest Magical Racing Tour, released March 23rd, 2000, composed by Jim Hedges.
All right, and first up, we are talking about Music 5 from Doki Doki Uenchi Crazy Land Dai, Daisakusen, <laughs> which in um, is also was translated Thump Thump Amusement Park Crazy Land Tactics. Thump thump. Yeah, thump thump. And apparently, so does that mean? Does that mean it's it's thump thump panic? Maybe I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> like Doki Doki Panic. Uh, I mean, I guess so. And I, I this was apparently hmm. Okay, this was a I thought a Japanese only release, but it was actually adapted. I think it came out in Europe, didn't it? Didn't it, it come out in Europe? It came out in Europe, and it was. Let me see. Okay. Yes. Um, so I think it came out in Europe, um, in Italy specifically, and Western Europe. It was scheduled for a North American release under the title Crazy Land, The Ride of Your Life. Um, it was actually adapted as the trolls in Crazy Land based on, you know, the troll dolls, which have sure, yeah. come back recently with a huge facelift. And it was canceled in the US, but before it was canceled, it was featured in the pack watch section of Nintendo Power. So it was going to come here as a Trolls game, but never did. I watched a long play while we listened to this track, and I can't say it's a huge loss that we never got it. Yeah, you were saying it looks kind of boring. It looks kind of boring. You're playing this kid running around with a baseball helmet, but he's kicking a soccer ball around. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The platforming is not that strong, it looks like. I don't know. The game just doesn't look fun. But it takes place inside of an entire amusement park. Yeah. And I like how some of the elements of the game, it has you exploring pieces of the ride. It's not necessarily the entire ride, mm -hmm. but pieces of the ride. That's kind of cool. And I, it was between this track and the final boss music, which I um, erroneously introduced this as a little bit earlier. And uh, I don't know what type of level this is. I know this uh, this track was just yeah, just really fun. I wanted to get some some chip tune. Music in here. five doesn't tell us much, right? Uh, I will say that anybody who goes to listen to this soundtrack, if you start at track one, uh, just don't start at track one. Track one is awful. It's one of those where they tried to do a little bit too much and the instruments aren't lined up really well and it just it just sounds really bad so bad i actually went into the uh, marcado bros discord and posted it and said hey are you guys up for another bad music episode because every once in a while they'll do an episode about music that just is so bad it's good kind of thing and it definitely fits in there but this track was really fun i liked it yeah this was a fun track um, there was a lot of, of, of fun instrumentation going on here as well that I did enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought this was a nice, upbeat sort of introduction to my Disney block, a little mini Disney block, because the yeah. next track we listened to was from a really, really good soundtrack. It was hard for me to pick on this one. A lot of the music was really good, but this was from Critter Country. Um, this, this, sorry, this was from Mickey no Tokyo Disneyland Daiboken, uh, the Critter Country or Splash Mountain area. And this is a really cool game. Um, oh, I forgot to mention uh, Doki Doki Uenchi Crazy Land Dai, Dai Sakusen was composed by Nobuyuki Shioda, a name that I, I have heard before. Do we know anything that Shioda has composed on off, offhand? I mean, not off the top of my head, but I know that name as well. Here, let me look. I know there's a reason why we know that name too, but I don't, let's see here. Uh, what sticks out to me that he did most? Nothing. Um, nothing that we would be familiar with. Hmm. I mean, some Japanese games, but nothing really. I mean, 
Chester Cheetah. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't be Chester Cheetah. But that's funny. He did the music for Chester Cheetah. Yeah, uh, I'm not seeing much. Dude, I don't see anything. He did. Well, he had a GI Joe game. Looks like a couple of GI Joe games, but nothing like super that sticks out to me. They're like why I know that name, but I know that name. Yeah, that's going to bug me, but I do see him on a Mahjong game uh, for the Super Famicom. I know of Mahjong music. It's it's one of those genres that has way too much, like, really great music. Uh, golf Daisuke, let's play golf on the Game Boy Color. Um, yeah, but see, nothing really... Yeah, nothing is really... It, is it Darius Burst Chronicle Saviors? Is that why we know the name? Possibly. Possibly. I know that the, the Darius games I have heard on quite a few. Mm-hmm. Me too. Quite a few shows, so yeah. That might be that it. That might be it. That might be it. But this next one, uh, No Tokyo, Mickey No Tokyo Disneyland Daiboken, was composed by Shigenori Masuko, Yoko Suzuki, and Maki Kirioka. Again, familiar sounding names, but I also at this point kind of wonder if some of these names don't sound similar because we just we hear other composer names that uh, have the same first name, same last name, you know, something like Absolutely. that. Uh, Yoko, of course, there's lots of Yokos, Yoko Kano, Yoko Shimomura, different uh, different ones out there. But whoever whoever they are and whoever composed this particular track, they did a really good job on this soundtrack. What did you think of this one? I was wondering while we were listening to it and I was asking you because I knew you had just freshly read, ridden the ride if this was actually similar to the music that they play in the ride, because that, from what I remember, and again, I only have experience with the California Disneyland, mm -hmm. but from what I remember, that ride is heavy on, on like the banjo and just like that country feel. And I get that in this track. Yeah, I mean, it was originally based around characters created. I don't remember the movie it was based on. I honestly don't. The movie is <laughs> Song of the South, which ah, has a, a troubled history. Um, it came it from. A, wasn't that wasn't that one one of the ones that was like censored on Disney? Plus? It was, and it came. I don't know if it was straight up censored. I do know it. Def, they definitely would have added a um, a disclaimer at the front of it. Uh, it was not racially sensitive. It perpetuated a lot of racial stereotypes. The narrator of the movie who told the stories, which were based on old uh, um, stories told by slaves and things like that. The character is Uncle Remus, and uh, the, the song Zippity Doodah came out of this movie. And so ah, it, yes. it did, it did that one I know. you know, it, it came, a lot of good things came from it, but the whole premise was just based on uh, not, not great, uh, <laughs> um, not a great part of our history. The It has been revamped. It keeps some of the same characters like Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear, uh, probably the three biggest characters from these stories. And um, you will still see them around the park and around the rides, but it um, has taken out all of the like like references to, like blackface and things like that that were sometimes featured in the movie. Um, I actually did not ride this particular ride because my oh, you didn't. my middle child, who I mentioned is afraid of everything, was the only one who would not even try this ride. And so and I'm also I wasn't really in the mood for a big like drop down into water at this point. So I stayed off the ride with him and we stood on the bridge and watched the other ones come down and I took a video. And so <laughs> so that was fun. They, they had fun with this one. But uh, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Um, this this game, I it looks fun to me. Um, obviously, I, I never have played it, but this game does look fun to me. 
I was looking up the composers. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I'll get to the premise of this game while you get to the composers uh, is that Mickey and his friends uh, are visiting Tokyo Disneyland to visit some of their fans in Japan. And uh, Pete actually was the one, uh, Peg Leg Pete, the, the big Disney villain who invited them to Tokyo Disneyland. And they thought that it was going to be like a full park, everybody there. And then they show up and the park is deserted. And all of Mickey's friends get kidnapped. And so he has to go through Tokyo Disneyland and rescue his friends from Pete. And that's kind of the premise of the game from what I remember when I was looking through Wikipedia. So yeah, sounds, it sounds seems fun. fun. It seems fun. It really does. It seems fun. Uh, Shigenoro Masu Masuko, uh, Shigenoro Masuko and Yoko Suzuki. Nothing really of note. Nothing really of note. However, Maki Kirioka is the standout name here. Okay. So she played piano on the original Metal Gear Solid release for the PlayStation. Okay. Uh, she also is the main composer behind the Zone of the Ender series. Gotcha. She's worked on every Metal Gear Solid game, basically. Um, she also was the composer behind the Elibits game and its sequel. Okay. As Very well cool. as, of course, has com uh, has uh, credits in both Smash Bros. on Wii U and Smash Bros. Ultimate. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only person I think that we've mentioned so far that does, though, today. Well, yeah, I think so. I think so. That's interesting. I, so. I don't think Alistair Brimble has anything on, Metal on, on Super Smash Bros. <laughs> Maybe he does. <laughs> I wonder when she moved to Konami, uh, because the game was developed by GRC, um, which doesn't even appear to exist anymore, and was published by Tomy. Um, which, well, what's interesting yeah. is that Moby Games only has Metal Gear Solid back in 98 as her first credit. So there is stuff missing off of this. Yeah. off of this particular site. Yeah, there there apparently is, because this was from 94. So, yeah. Okay. Hm. I wonder if there's anything on VGM. Yeah, of course there is. But, wow. But yeah, I do think that this... They have her listed as Metal Gear first, outside of outside of an... an, an, an I'm guessing an anime thing that she did for Konami back in 97. Mm -hmm. But weird. Yeah, even they only have her as starting with Konami. That's interesting. <sighs> I do think that uh, this soundtrack would qualify as a hidden gem because I I haven't heard a I haven't ever heard anything from this game before and the whole track it's 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 well it's well done like it sounds really good and the compositions are just a lot it of does. fun a lot of fun it so. does it sounds really cool yeah it sounds really cool I like this not what I would expect from a lesser known publisher in 1994 uh, for the for the Super right. Famicom so but good stuff and how about that last track I <laughs> I know you said you picked that for me I did I, picked, I love that I love that guitar <laughs> another soundtrack that's just really a lot of fun and a game that probably should have been more fun than I think it was I think it was one of several games that tried to nail some of the mechanics of Mario Kart and just didn't quite get there but it's, it looks really fun. It looks like it would be good. Uh, it is a kart racer. Walt Disney World um, Walt Disney World Quest Magical Racing Tour, I think, is one of a few names it gets called. And what's cool about this one is it is based on Walt Disney World, uh, the one I went to. And almost all of the tracks are based on music that was at this time associated with the rides. So around the turn of the Which century. Is awesome. Yeah. And it was adapted so cool. by Jim Hedges, who I believe also composed this particular track. I'm going to verify that while you talk about what did you think of Rock and Roller Coaster? So what first of all, what ride is this supposed to be? 
is this supposed to be based off of Space Mountain? There is actually a rocking roller coaster ride at Disney World. Uh, when is there? Yeah, I've never. Okay, so I've never been to Disney World. So okay. it's in the it's in the Hollywood Studios Park, and it is. Was oh, that supposed to be the same roller coaster then that's in the California's Adventure side with like the giant Mickey face on it? Is that the same one? Maybe. I know that when we went this last time, this is hmm, another ride. I'm about to look. I didn't actually get to ride because. Uh, I feel like, let me see, Hollywood Studios was the Maybe third park the that we went to. We did Magic Kingdom, then we did Epcot, which was my favorite park. A lot of fun stuff there. And then we did Hollywood Studios. So we were kind of getting tired, and um, we had a break day after we went here. Uh, we didn't do everything at Hollywood Studios. This is where they have, like, they have a Star Wars area and a Toy Story area, and that's where we spent most of our time. We did not ride the rock and roller coaster. I feel like when I go back, I will. It's an indoor coaster with lots of lights, lots of sound. And right now, Aerosmith is the featured uh, <laughs> artist um, or band in rock and roller coaster. Um, so what's interesting, I'm looking up right now. Incredicoaster is what it's called. I guess it's based on the Incredibles now in California. Okay. But I wonder yeah. if it used to be called Rockin' Coaster. Hang on. I gotta, I gotta know. So the soundtrack features authentic Disney music from the attractions, with the exception of Space Mountain, which features music from the Disneyland version. Uh, Rock and Roller Coaster, which does not feature Aerosmith as the actual attraction does. And Dinosaur and Blizzard Beach, which each use tracks from Gex Enter the Gecko and Gex 3 Deep Cover Gecko. So you were right. Uh, Jim Hedges. Yeah, I had the a feeling Jim Hedges because I knew that name from Gex and also shout out to Frank again. Uh, Jim Hedges is also behind the Legacy of Kane series yeah. for the music. So, yeah, so um, Hedges actually did compose um, the Rock and Roller Coaster, I believe both the U.S. and U.K. versions, which were both pretty good. But this one just it had that squealing, squealing guitar that I know you like. And so that's oh, that's yeah. why I landed Much on this one. Much prefer that version. Much <laughs> prefer that version. So the Incredicoaster used to be called the Scream or the Ca California Screamin'. And I'm assuming that this is just their version of the rock and roller coaster because this roller coaster used to play like rock and roll music while you were on it so like when i was there they were doing the the red hot chili peppers on this coaster okay gotcha so i'm assuming it's the same thing just a different name gotcha okay but i did like this regardless track, and i love yeah, that guitar i knew you would <laughs> <laughs> But now I am a great I'm eager to get into your next block. Yeah, so my next block does include a, a cheat pick. So <laughs> we are going to kick things off with a with a track from Nier Automata. And I couldn't not include the amusement park music from that game in this episode because it is my favorite amusement park track in any game still to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I'm getting around the limitations I set for the show in that we don't play the same track more than once outside of like special occasions. And, and, and this that we can consider every episode a special occasion. I don't really care. <laughs> but there are multiple versions of this track within the game. So I'm just playing a different version. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> we're going to kick things off with Amusement Park from Nier Automata, released March 7th, 2017. And this track was composed by Kiego Hawashi. Trofa 
This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Coming up next, you'll be taking a listen to Joylent from Klonoa 2, released July 25th, 2001, composed by Asuka Sakai. Next up is Lunatic Circus, otherwise known as the Amusement Park from Knights of Azure, released March 29th, 2016, composed by Kazuki Yanagawa, Daisuke Yachiwa, and Hayoto Asano.
coming back in. We are talking about Amusement Park from Nier Automata. Again, probably my favorite piece of Amusement Park music that exists to this day. I do, Nier Automata is still one of my top five favorite games of all time. Like, I can't get enough of talking about this game. I still haven't gone back and played it mm-hmm. again since I completed it and did all six endings. And again, I don't feel like I need to go back and play it again. I would potentially play, like, a re-release of it in the future, but I'm just more excited to see what they do next in this franchise because this game did so well. However, this particular track here, I know I've played a version of it before on the show. I am in love with this. Seeing this live at the, you know, Nier Automata concert in Chicago, Chicago, getting to hear Emmy Evans in person, the just her vocals on this track are stunning. They really are. And the piano in the background at times is just so haunting to me. It, it has this, as most of the Nier Automata music does, it has this very, in, in Nier music in general, I should say, but it has this very somber tone and somber feeling to it. But the area itself is this like run-down amusement park with all of these weird creatures just like in a trance all around as this track is playing in the background and you're exploring the the actual track of the roller coaster and actually getting to like see some of the way that they utilize the camera angles in this to make it really look picturesque this track just in this moment of the game this is the most special part to me it really is yeah, the near games are on my video game bucket list, along with a lot of other stuff, and I've, I've never played one. Uh, I have seen some... I've looked up some stuff based on the songs I've heard on a lot of other shows, because... You have to play the Drakengard series, too, then, because they tie hand okay. in hand. Okay, cool. This is a... Obviously, it's a soundtrack that gets a lot of play on video game music mm-hmm. podcasts. For good for reason. For very good reason. Uh, not least of which are <laughs> Emmy Evans' vocals, which, again, um, you you know, you hear them on on this track. And this is really cool. I, I like the variety that we're getting on this show. You, I think you could easily get into a lot of just kind of upbeat, happy stuff on these, like your your next track in this block and like the first two tracks in my last block. But we, we've got a pretty good, um, pretty good range of music that we're playing. Playing. Got some rock, got a little bit of jazz coming up in my next one, and just some, you know, some really cool stuff. But this, this is maybe the most unique track on our playlist, and I'm, I'm glad that you broke the rules to pull this back in. Gotta bring the emotion sometimes. Gotta bring the emotion sometimes. I'm excited that you get to join me next time we get to do an emotion to sadness episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm because that's still our most popular episode we've ever done. I am all set for for that. I've got a playlist of probably about fifty tracks <laughs> that I've just kind of picked up over the years uh, that that would fit in with a sadness episode. It's sometimes it's good just to just to be cathartic. It is. And Frank and I tried to do a part two of that right after my relationship ended because I thought, what better time to do an emotions of sadness episode? And it just it was awful. It was an awful experience. <laughs> I, I scrapped that episode after I started editing and listening. But I was like, there's no way I'm going to release this. Yep. You mentioned on the show <laughs> that it, maybe it was just it was a little bit too close to what was going on at that no time. No way yeah. was I going to release that mm-hmm. episode. Good music played, but my God, I was a disaster. So not a good episode. Well, that's a hard time, man. That's a hard time. But then you pull it's a stupid idea on my you part. pull kind of an emotional <laughs> 180 with this second track here uh, from Klonoa right? 2. I know we go to Klonoa 2. The track is uh, Joylent, I think is how you say that. But this was the amusement park episode. And I and I do love the Klonoa games. Uh, and, and I'm glad they're being brought back in that collection. I think it's like a 
I know it was just recently announced. I think part of a Nintendo Direct, maybe there was like a remastered collection or something coming to Switch. I'm really looking forward to that because this is another series that I haven't had much experience with. So yeah, fun series. So I'm glad that you know it is coming back, and I'm glad we get to showcase this track here. Now, this particular track, when I was listening to it, it dawned on me that it sounds very similar to Dragon Quest music. You know, I did not pick up on that, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, which is the farthest thing from a bad thing. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I'm wondering if maybe because a lot of... Now, there aren't really any, like, amusement parks, at least nothing that sticks out to me, like amusement parks or circus. Now, there are circuses in Dragon Quest XI specifically, but um, nothing that really sticks out to me that... uh, Sugiyama would have yeah, done I can't think of it. for Dragon Quest that sounds like this, but the music just in itself, it sounds like it, it has his style. Yeah, there are songs I think that would fit in amusement parks. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of the uh, the tavern music from Dragon Quest Nine. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but if you look it up, that that one definitely has the oh, yeah. sound to it. But uh, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and really enjoy this one. This is this is in that uh, in that happy upbeat amusement park feel that I was talking about a second ago for sure. Absolutely. And you know, like if this was a piece of music that was playing in like a main square, you know, main street Disney or Mm -hmm. something, I wouldn't bat an eye because it sounds like it fits. Which reminds me of another honorable mention. I almost brought, uh, I almost, um, this was another one that you guys had played before. Uh, the title theme from, um, Adventures in the Magic Kingdom on the NES, composed by Yoko Shimomura. Oh, yes. Great, yes, great yes, stuff yes, on yes. that. I, great I, I track. had a lot of that music actually <laughs> going through my head when I was on the rides at Disney World, even though it's based on Disneyland. Um, and actually, if anybody wants to hear a little bit more of that, on the Yoko Shimomura episode I did on Very Good Music last fall, I played a medley of some of the ride themes from this, uh, from that game. And lots of fun stuff on there that, that I think... Uh, lines up sort of um, in tone with this track as well. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And then we move to my last pick, which is from Knights of Azure. This one is called Lunatic Circus. However, it is the amusement park level in the game. Yeah, this reminded me a little bit of that that Rune Factory track, probably because of of the waltz feel, which we discussed off air uh, is it reminds me of stuff you'd hear on a carousel or a Ferris wheel, you know, something that goes around and which makes sense because that's what you do in a waltz. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of that music, like specifically on carousels, like if you've ever ridden one, the music is almost always waltzish in nature. Yep. And I mean, it really, who, I feel like who hasn't ridden a carousel? <laughs> you have one at almost every fair, almost every amusement park. It's it's one of the first things when when you come in. And uh, people with a fear of going in circles, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's that is one thing. If uh, I could also see motion sickness being a problem for some people on certain carousels. Yeah. Uh, actually, we uh, we went to Six Flags every year and Halloween does what's called Fright Fest. They actually do it from the last week in September to like the first week in Cedar November. Cedar Point does Hollow Weekends. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and what they do for the carousel during Fright Fest is they make it go backwards. And so when you Ooh, get on the carousel, it uh, starts to go in reverse. And the kids didn't know that when we were walking up to it. It's the first thing you see when you come into the park is this carousel. And we just walked right up and got on and it started going backwards. 
backwards and we were like whoa this is cool <laughs> was the music twisted? it was like did it make it yeah. sound like it was going that's they, they, they had that's played really it cool. they played it all like distorted and stuff so it, it it sounded it sounded just not quite right just enough to set you a little on edge and it was a lot of fun that's really it was cool. a lot of fun they did a good job with fright fest that sounds year. really cool that does sound really cool and I like that that kind of ties into the track, too, because though you don't really get that from the way it sounds, Knights of Azure is not like a super happy-go-lucky game. <laughs> it does explore a lot of adult themes. It is a JRPG, um, but you are playing these girls and, you know, there is this like curse dealing with the full moon and a lot of blood. Gotcha. Uh, a lot of like vampire elements, really cool series. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever um, even heard of Knights of Azure, so that's really intriguing. Yeah, really, really cool JRPG series. It did get some mixed reviews, but um, I I did enjoy it and its sequel. I think that's where it stopped mm-hmm. just with after the second one. But this particular track, man, it it is really. I don't want to say it sounds like a dark circus. But there are elements of it that remind me of a dark. Circus. It goes a little back and forth because there are some parts that are that are a little more not necessarily happy, but just a little bit more, I guess, mm, more of like an ascending quality uh, to them. But which gives it that lunatic feel, I think, that they're trying to go for with by naming it lunatic. Yeah, circus, because if right? you're going if you're going from, uh, you know, from something a little bit dark to something like that, it, there's a, that juxtaposition really can can really be kind of um, unnerving in and of itself. Um, lunatic, interesting here also because you mentioned that this has to do with a curse that's associated with the moon. Um, the, the, the idea of a lunatic actually originally that that word came from people who were were troubled and the the, the quote unquote doctors of the day thought it had something to do with the moon affecting their sanity and that's why they called it lunatic which you know luna being lunar related to the moon so yeah kind of a kind of a cool tie-in there with the title of the track as well i actually like that a lot like it's cool when things tie together like that it really is because i did not put that together i'm gonna have to listen to more of the soundtrack this was this was really cool who composed this one again this was done by kazuki yanagawa daisuke achiwa and Hayoto Asano. I feel like I've heard the name Hayoto Asano before. I don't think I've heard of the other two, but... Let's see. Hayoto Asano, if we look him up, he's done a lot of the Italian music. Oh, uh, okay. Which, all of it, actually. Gotcha. That's probably where I've heard, heard of him then. Yep, because I know that that series tends to get played often on other shows. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not so much on this show. Again, though, a soundtrack that um that is familiar to VGM fans, so... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, definitely a name that is familiar, for sure. But you get our last I do, and I am excited about this because you have some interesting stuff in here. Yeah, um, another uh, series that gets a lot of play on VGM podcasts, but a game that doesn't get as much. I feel like I've heard Frank talk about this game on the show, and this one's kind of special to me. (laughs) Um, I played a lot of Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha uh, back in my late high school, early college days with a very particular friend of mine. Um, I don't know if uh, you listen to the show, but Ruben, if you're out there thinking about you, buddy, and um, we we played a lot of this game, uh, so much so that 
I remember one time specifically, we were playing as uh, Ken. I played as Ken. He played as Ryu, and we got up to uh, up to round three, and we double KO'd, and then we we're playing round four, and we double KO'd again. And so it's the very the only time <laughs> I've ever gotten to round five in a Street Fighter game. It was really really interesting. That's impressive. One of the most memorable characters, though, uh, from this game is Skullomania, who is a chef who takes on the guise of a Mexican luchador and participates in the Street Fighter tournament specifically to raise money so that he can buy his own restaurant. <laughs> and, and the Are we sure this isn't Frank? <laughs> the, the first tracks that we're listening to. Uh, no, it's not El Frank Caro. This is Skullomania's theme, <laughs> also known as Amusementive Crime from Street Fighter EX Plus, released December 19th, 1996, and composed by Takayuki Aihara.
Next up, we have Pleasure Castle or Twinkle Park from Sonic Adventure, released September 9th, 1999, composed by Jun Sinoue. up we have the light in us all from planet coaster released november 17th 2016 and composed by jim guthrie and jj ipson
Bright coming back in. We are talking about amusementive crime, the theme of Skullomania from Street Fighter EX Plus. Once again, composed by cool Takayuki Aihara. And yeah, man, so many people sleep on the EX series, and there's some really, really cool, very different sounding stuff in these soundtracks. But this one, this one was, I was really glad to come back across this and rediscover it. Such a cool track. And this, this is a perfect follow-up to the last track we played in my last block, the Lunatic Circus, because I, I had talked a little bit about how that one had elements of like that dark carnival feel. This particular track, once we get a little bit further into it, like halfway through or so, it definitely starts developing that dark carnival vibe. And I just love this so much. Yeah, it goes from this cool, uh, like experimental sort of um, synth funk electronic dance sort of fusion type thing and then it does it, it, it transitions into uh this really like lunatic circus type type feel yeah and absolutely definitely fits for this episode it's uh it's a cool sort of creepy background and skello even though he's a skeleton man he's he's not creepy at all he is fun as hell to play as and just really really yeah. really really funny character he's got a lot of really flashy fun luchador moves and this game is so much fun. I need to find a copy of it and um, and break it back out. I'd love to play this with uh, with Prof Jeff, who's kind of the only guy I play fighting games with anymore lately, because I'm not I'm not super good at them. I can hold my own in Street Fighter games, though, uh, but it's kind of how I am. I always get my butt kicked by Frank whenever we play yeah. together. Jeff is pretty nice, <laughs> and uh, he, he doesn't um, he doesn't lord it over me when he can can completely just trounces me round after round. Oh, not and, Frank. <laughs> Frank will let you know. And, um, and Guilty Gear, which uh, he really loves Arc System games and anything by uh, Daisuke Ishiwatari. Guilty Gear, so yeah. good. Yeah, Guilty Gear, but, so good. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that synth, too, because that synth is so strong in, in elements of this track. Like, I was really digging it a it lot. It is. This is... Uh, this is a really strong block of music because um, and I mentioned actually that this this game is really uh, nostalgic for me because this particular summer I played a lot of really cool games with my buddy Ruben and um, we had a lot of fun with this one and uh, we we didn't play the next game in my block but we did play its sequel Sonic Adventure 2 a whole lot but I was really glad to be able to pull from Sonic Adventure, obviously, um, as we mentioned off air, a game that you've pulled a lot from for the show. And this is yes, just we have played a lot from this, this is classic Jimmy's two games from from this era of Sonic music. This was Pleasure Castle, Twinkle Park, really, really good stuff. I have so much experience with this game and so many fond memories. This was obviously one of the initial games I picked up when the Dreamcast released on September 9th, 1999. Um, my mom was nice enough back then because I was home with chicken pox, mm -hmm. believe it or not, yeah. when the Dreamcast released. Uh, she bought me the Dreamcast because I had it pre-ordered, but she ended up just paying for the Dreamcast. And then I got Sonic Adventure, South Park Chef's Love Shack, <laughs> um, I think the UFC game, and a few others. The, the Destruction Derby game, whatever, pretty much whatever release on release day I had. And um, I put so much time and so many hours into Sonic Adventure. It was mind-blowing for its time. Like, coming from the Sonic games we were used to playing and getting into this big, giant adventure, I loved everything about this. And the soundtrack is so strong. And I think still at this point one of the strongest 3d sonic entries that that has ever been released i, I don't know that they've ever oh, still topped sonic no, adventure they've not topped adventure and adventure 2 yet they've not topped it 
I don't know that they will. However, Frontiers looks promising. It does. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Frontiers. If, um, I mean, if it's anything like how successful Kirby's transition of 3D seems to be. I was going to say, um, look how yeah, good that's doing. It's, it's going to be really good. And Sonic has been getting a lot more momentum in the last couple of years. And so hopefully they're really, really going to take this one seriously and try to try to deliver something that... Uh, that everybody loves and i'm really interested to hear the music too because based on the trailer it sounds like it's going to go in possibly yet another new direction which um uh, musically i don't know that they've ever topped the sonic adventure and sonic adventure 2 tracks since this game came out either there's been some really good stuff the music is actually the strongest part of some sonic games like lost world and unleashed but and and definitely like sonic and the secret rings <laughs> um but <laughs> but this is really cool, and you can hear the DNA of modern Sonic music really being oh, laid down in, in this track. It's so good. It's so good. In such a cool area of the game, I'm glad we hadn't played this yet because I feel like this is one of the more popular tracks when it comes to this theme. So I'm glad we hadn't played this Me yet. too. Me too. And then we come to maybe the track I was happiest to find. Uh, I I was so excited about this whole soundtrack that I actually had to post it and kind of tease what we're doing in our Discord. I <laughs> and I called out Kyle when I did because I know he likes this kind of stuff too. He and I, we were talking about like, like similar types of music. And the whole soundtrack from Planet Coaster is just one big lump of just really feel-good, um, uplifting sort of, not really Americana, but in that sort of vein. Uh, kind of a folksy sound to it. Uh, we played the first track from the soundtrack, The Light in Us All. And I listened to the whole thing, and there were a lot of tracks I could have pulled, but I ended up coming back to track one. A lot. It might be that whistle that you hear in part of the track, and then the it's vocals that come in at the end. Uh, composed again by Jim Guthrie and J.J. Ibsen. And this is what I we kind of teased earlier in the episode as sort of the latest incarnation of the Roller Coaster Tycoon franchise. Yeah, a really great game. I do think this game as a whole, Planet Coaster, is better than what Roller Coaster Tycoon was. Roller Coaster Tycoon still has a, you know, a more fonder place in my heart because I have more memories with it. But Planet Coaster is an all-around better experience, mm -hmm. I think. And what they were able to accomplish with that game was pretty impressive. Yeah, a lot to be said for nostalgia, but as much as I love Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker, I, I can't disagree or I can't argue that uh, I love Breath of the Wild so much more. It's, it's such a fun game. Right. Breath of the <laughs> Wild is a better game than Ocarina of Time in the Wind Waker. However, I would still rank Ocarina of Time as number one. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of like we were talking about with Final Fantasy VII. It was just, it was such a landmark title uh, for its time in the history of gaming, and it's it's never going to get bumped off of its place in the echelon just for for the fact of how, uh, just like games like GoldenEye, uh, for, for what it did for the medium. Absolutely. GoldenEye, not even that amazing of a game. Yeah, not, not in retrospect. Just, no, like if you try to go back to it, it's still fun, but it was fun for its time and, and what it did in in bringing that style of game into the, like, like know, consoles, the mainstream yeah. spotlight. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. But man, this has been a blast. But this particular track, this particular track, it has been a blast. And this particular track is a good way to kind of wrap everything up and, and really just bring it back full circle because it's a game about designing a theme park. Yeah, yeah, not counting the play in and play out. You know, we start with Roller Coaster Tycoon and end up on Planet Coaster. It's a, a nice kind of, kind of yeah, we came circle. back to the, to the, to where we got on the carousel and now we're getting off and we're gonna, 
leave the park with a... Getting ready to leave the park. I got my cotton candy. I've, uh... Uh, that's usually all I go home with is a bag of cotton yeah, candy. Yeah, I got my, my giant plush teddy bear that I, I paid too much for by, you know, playing that one carnival game too many times and got to bring it home and let my daughters fight over it. It costs $20 for a $2 bear, <laughs> but damn it, I want it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Going to let my twins fight over it. But, <laughs> but man, this, this has been a lot of fun. We do have, uh, it has been a lot of fun and we do have one track to close out with. Uh, it is my closeout pick. And it is going to be the fun fair from Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, which was the obviously the 3DS release of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, had to get some Yoko Shimomura in here. I know you mentioned her earlier in some of the other stuff she has done that, you know, would have fit this episode. So I'm glad we were still able to get her in here. And a lot of music within the Kingdom Hearts series would have qualified <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. However, yeah. this particular track being the fun fair and actually, you know, in, within the game taking place in an area that is reminiscent of a fair or a theme park, it, it just fits perfectly. And, and this track actually is really beautiful. It is. And... You know, um, I'm, I'm grateful for this episode because it's giving me kind of a need of distraction. I've been going through a lot of stress the past couple of weeks with uh, with my parents, who really for the last year have been going through a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm the I'm for all practical purposes, the only child because uh, I'm the only one that's really close at all. And so it's been a lot. And this uh, I mean, doing a podcast in general, but also just um, topics like this that are just really, really light and give me an excuse to do a deep dive into a lot of games I wouldn't necessarily otherwise wise look into has been really cool and i'm glad that we're finishing on disney <clears throat> um me too we it's i think the story that's gonna be perfect to wrap this up is i mentioned that epcot was my favorite of the parks that we went to also really loved animal kingdom i think my favorite ride was at animal kingdom actually and it was a simulator based on the avatar movie not uh not last airbender Ooh. but the blue people avatar movie which was just kind yeah, of an okay film cool. i mean it looks really pretty sounds really good but it, yeah, it was all right. It was Pocahontas in space. And um, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily go back and watch the movie again, but I would go back and ride this ride any number of times. It was so cool. They had this uh, this bike type thing that you sit on because the premise of the simulator is that you're riding on one of the, the banshees, like the big flying things that, that the Navi ride on in the movie. And... I don't know how they did it. The simulator, of course, it's got kind of when you you're flying on this banshee and you're you're dodging a lot of other critters and you fly over this herd of um, of uh, what well, similar to like buffalo on this planet, and you can smell mm -hmm. everything. Like it's, it's got you can smell the, um, the the smell of livestock, the smell of dust. Uh, you go over the ocean and you can smell salt and it sprays you. And the coolest thing is the bike thing that you're on. Um, it's it's got this sort of ergonomic feel to it and the bike breathes like it moves in a way that you feel like the thing you're on is breathing. That's you can feel cool. its heartbeat and you can feel it breathing as you're sitting on it. It was the most immersive experience I've ever had and it was so much fun. It was everybody's favorite ride. What's it called? Um, I don't remember what it's called, <laughs> but if you look up the Avatar ride, there's a river ride and then there's this one. And it, you, you'll look if you look it up, you'll see it. It's at the Animal Kingdom in uh, Disney World, Florida, and just such a cool thing. Anybody who ever goes to Disney World, you need to make time to go ride this ride. Uh, it's an unforgettable experience. My middle guy didn't like it so much, but there's a similar ride at Epcot called Soren that just kind of takes you on a. I was going to say that what you were describing 
reminds me of Soarin' Over California in Disney. There's a, an almost identical ride at Epcot at Disney World where you you soar, you soar fly over lots of different landmarks around the world and then you come back mm-hmm. to Epcot and you can like see same everything. Same thing, same thing He loved, loved that ride. I and did too. That was my favorite thing of Dis- of Disneyland. That ride is my absolute We loved favorite. it so much <laughs> that even leaving Epcot, it was my favorite park, even though when we left, there was just a downpour. <laughs> and like it, the, the sky basically just broke open. We didn't get to see the Epcot fireworks because <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit bummed by. But and on the way out of the park, I don't know, the drainage at Epcot must not be very good because there were like puddles we had to wade through and everything. But despite that, despite the way the day ended, it was still just such a fantastic experience and the kids loved it so much Um, everybody loved that park and um an experience i would i would i'll never i'm never gonna forget it and i know that they're not because it was their first time and this has been a really cool way to kind of um give me a chance to celebrate that and again really glad we're ending on a on a disney related note and with yoko shimamura who is my favorite composer i didn't think about that but that's really (laughs) fitting yeah that's really fitting i didn't think about that and it just now that you said that you're gonna have to play the uh, the Ubisoft game Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora when it comes you out. Yeah, I just might. <laughs> and you know this next Avatar movie that's supposed to be coming out fairly soon. Uh, hopefully, it's pretty good, and hopefully, the franchise picks up because it's got a good message. Can't argue with the message. It does. And, um, yeah, it does. It does. Like you said, the movie, the first one that came out, you know, not the best, not the greatest movie, but the the 3D effects for that movie at the time when we saw it in theaters mind-blowing it was one of the first ones that really utilized it so well it was mind-blowing really was but good way to close out the episode like you said unfortunately that is going to bring us to the close of the show this week we do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of bg mania made possible of course by rpgera.com if you like video game music and more importantly you like us and you want to help grow the show check the description box for ways you can do just that while you're browsing the description box make sure you click the link to join our discord community taking us out of this episode we're going to be taking a listen to the fun fair from kingdom hearts 3d dream drop distance released july 31st 2012 again composed by yoko shimamura keep the music playing and keep it loud